I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm going to toss it over to our hosts, Micah and Josiah Keneally. What's up, guys? Hope you're feeling alive right now. I'm Micah Keneally, and I want to welcome you to Young Adults Today podcast, where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. And like always, I'm joined by my husband and co-host, Josiah. There's just a grin on your face today. How are you doing? I'm doing great, babe. How are you? Well, it's we're in the middle of summer up in Minnesota right now. And I feel like we're swimming right now because it's so humid and the high is like 102 or 99 today. I don't know. Either way, it's just so warm. But aside from Life that, is I'm drinking a hot cup of coffee. So I don't know what that <laughs> says, but we are thrilled to be here. We have an amazing guest today. Yeah. And Josiah, before we introduce our guest, is there anything you want to say? How can people get plugged in and involved? Maybe that next level, if they're just tuning in for the very first time finding this podcast. You got it, baby. Here's the deal. We launch new content with fresh episodes every Monday morning. Mm -hmm. So we want to help you start your week off strong. We just believe that the next generation is the now and is the future as well. So we're here for conversations about reaching young adults in our world today. It's such a joy to come into mm -hmm. your workouts, your commutes, your office, wherever you're listening. We just want to say thanks for subscribing, rating, reviewing, and listening and sharing this content. We're joined and we're in for a really special treat. Do you agree? I agree. But without further ado... Give the listeners the glimpse of who it you is. You got it. Um, we're joined. I'll introduce him for those of you who don't know in just a second, but we're joined by our general superintendent, Pastor Doug Clay. How are you today? Hey, Josiah, I'm doing fine. Thank you. And thank you, Micah, for just ah, the privilege of coming into your space and connecting with those of uh, who you're influencing. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to our conversation today. It is amazing. And one of my favorite things, Pastor Doug, about you as a leader, anytime we've heard you share at a conference mm -hmm. or an event, mm -hmm. um, or had you pray for us and join your faith with our faith, you exude a positivity, a joy, an incredible amount of faith and optimism. And so my prayer for the heart of the listener, mm -hmm. the leader tuning in today is that if you find yourself discouraged, maybe doubting, coming up against challenges of all kinds, you can know that you are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, mm -hmm. by people who are cheering you on. And we want to tap into your insight, your wisdom, Clay. your leadership. But Doug Clay is the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in the United States of America. And um, Micah and I have the privilege of leading a Chi Alpha, which falls under mm -hmm. the Assemblies of God leadership. And we're here in Minnesota, but joined by listeners from across the U.S., across Canada. And Pastor Doug, would you just dive in and begin by sharing some of your, your life journey, your story, and your experiences with us today? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for uh, serving on what I think is the richest mission soil in the world, and that's uh, universities. I mean, when you think about it, the world comes to a university, mm -hmm. um, shape perspectives and minds and help to create a biblical worldview. So I want to start by thanking you for saying yes um, to serving on that. So yeah, hi, I'm Doug. I'm 58 years old. I, uh, uh, I'm married to Gail. We've been married 33 years. We have two girls, seven grandchildren. Yeah, just Ooh. love it. Uh, you know, the reason why grandparents and grandkids get along so well is because we have the same common enemy, their parents. <laughs> uh, uh, so oh, that was good. so true. Just <laughs> 
weekend, our one of our grandsons had a birthday. We took him to a little water park, and and uh, man, mom was saying no, but grandpa, papa was saying yes, yes, yes. So uh, yeah, I love it. So you know, I had the privilege of growing up in a minister's home. I'm third generation Pentecostal preacher's kid, so I was born and raised in this, but definitely, definitely felt um, a personalized call. You know, uh, sometimes people can assume you or just sort of ex their expectations push you into a career choice. Sure. Uh, I had that. I, I really felt um, actually at a kid's crusade, Uncle Gene and Ann Esther Fiddler, and uh, the whole oh, stage was set up in medieval time and all that. But I really felt just this sort of you know what? I want you to do ministry, not just because your mom and dad are doing it, but because I've got that for you. And early on, uh, I picked up the second part of Ephesians 2.10. We all know that we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. That's a great verse for self-awareness and divine design. But Paul goes on to say to do good deeds that he's prepared in advance for you to do. Mm -hmm. And that was really freeing for me to know that uh, from a divine perspective, there were some specific deeds that God had for me, not just because my mom and dad did it or other people expected it. And once I, I guess, kind of understood that, that really shaped my choices in life and, and friends and companion and education, because I really believed there were some good deeds that God had prepared for just me to do. And man, I wanted to find what those are and run after them and chase them. So yeah, thanks. Um, uh, we live together. Uh, in fact, we have some acreage. So we have this clay compound where both girls, seven grandkids, all live sort of on the clay compound. And so I'm like, come on, come and drink the Kool-Aid at the clay compound. And uh, <laughs> we're, uh, we're, we're loving life and chasing the dream um, uh, here in, in Springfield, Missouri. Incredible. That's wow. amazing. That's so fun. And we also know, um, Pastor Doug, that you are, you're a high impact leader. You've been married over 30 years. You have seven grandchildren. What has it been like to be called in this form of ministry with this form of like impact and the ability to lead at the capacity that you do? How do you sustain life, wife, family, and ministry? Like I don't, balance isn't even a word anymore that we use here, but how do you sustain that? <laughs> I first of all uh, practice saying I'm sorry a lot and really mean it. Don't just say sorry. But I would say, you know, today, Micah, and I might know something better next week. First of all, I feel like I'm always learning this. That's good. But here might be two things for your listeners to consider. I had to transition from managing time to stewarding energy. There's a big difference between just time management and stewarding your energy. And in different seasons of life, when I was pastoring, it was a lot about time management because Sunday was coming every week. You had to have that message. You, you know, in this role where there's where there's um, where there's a multiplication of different things, I had to I had to find ways to steward energy. When is my energy most creative? When is it most uh, uh, sluggish? And steward that and and plug in some of my responsibilities according to where my management level or stu uh, uh, energy level was that. So that would be the first uh, thing that I would say. The second thing I would say as it relates to the sustaining is yeah. not trying to dissect life and ministry. 
you know, too many times we try to say, hey, this is life. Ministry, you don't, you don't ever come over this boundary. Hey, this is ministry life. That's unrealistic. Right. People don't die at convenient times. When you're on vacation as a spiritual leader, there are sometimes some people die. There are interruptions. So we intersected those two circles and said, our life is our ministry. Our ministry is our life. I'm going to be careful not to let one cannibalize the other or one to blame the other if one's not going well there. But we just took that pressure off and said, you know what? Don't try to hold two separate arenas and never see them interchange because that's just not realistic. And once we did that, that was free. That was really helpful for us to handle the interruptions. Wow. Pastor Doug, our season of life today, like right now, we have a 15-month-old daughter, Aurora, and we're days away from our next baby K coming on the way. We're excited. But that really speaks to me, I think, as a husband, as a dad with a growing family is just this idea of not compartmentalizing because one of our prayers is that our daughter, this next son or daughter, that's going to be a surprise Mm -hmm. uh, in in the next matter of days is that they'd come to know Jesus at a very young age and that they'd be integrated as much as they want to into our lives. They're a welcome addition to our family. And and part of that family is life and it is leadership and it Mm -hmm. is ministry. So that really speaks deeply to me. So I want to thank you for that. And we want to talk with you today also about the faith of the next generation. Mm-hmm. And man, it's kind of one of those Esther 414 moments where we believe that we're alive for such a time mm-hmm. as this. And missions specifically is kind of at the heartbeat really of why the ex- Assemblies of God exists in the first place from its origin to 2021 right now in this season, but what is your hope, maybe vision, um, passion for reaching unreached peoples for Christ across the globe? Yeah, great question. And I love the word, what's my hope? Mm-hmm. My hope is really strong. Mm-hmm. Um, um, my mindset is that two things. Number one, we will never see lost people is our enemy. Y- you yeah. know, living in a current time where it seems like labeling people has really become popular. What's your political label? What's your sexual identity label? What's your ethnicity label? And and oftentimes that label can can create a barrier from reaching people for the gospel. So I want to make sure that we understand that all humanity is created in the image of Jesus. All humanity has the ability to say yes to the gospel and that we won't allow our characterization or our labeling to keep us from effectively ministering to people. Second thing I would encourage those who choose to be a part of the assemblies of God. And let me just say it right up front. The kingdom of God is a whole lot bigger than the assemblies of God. Always will be always. But our slice of this kingdom pie called the assemblies, I'm jealous for, I want it to be the best that it can be. And a part of our ethos, a part of what seems to be the favor of God is our global footprint. Do you know that when you call yourself an assembly of God, 95% of us resides outside of the United States. Wow. So we are are like 70 some million in the assemblies of God, only 3 million in the AG USA. In fact, there are 10 times more assemblies of God churches in the world than there are McDonald's restaurants. And so the 
favor of God has seemed to be on the uh, on the mission on our mission, and and yet all of those international expressions still look to Assemblies of God USA as mama. They look us as as where it all began, and and so part of you talked about my hope is strong, my mindset is it would see a, a lost people. One of my passions is that. Now that we're 107 years old as a fellowship, I don't want to export anything to our daughters that's not biblically accurate, mm. Pentecostal in nature, and, and just missionally ineffective. I want to make sure that what we continue to export is missionally fruitful. Mm-hmm. Incredible. That's so good. Pastor Doug, I just think about one thing that Josiah and I always say when we feel like God is calling us to do something or when we feel like we're supposed to ask somebody to be a part of something and an opportunity arises is never to say no for somebody else and always give people an opportunity to say yes. And if they say no, hey, we presented. And I think the way that we are able to present the gospel is very similar to that. Like we don't want to withhold uh, an eternity of Christ from somebody just because of our own agenda or we're scared or we're afraid, but to feel um, liberated to to be who God's called us to be, but also to be biblically literate when the questions come our way. And we yeah. know that the generation coming is a 4% biblically literate. I know it's a statistic we talk about a lot on here, but that's, but that's where we're at in this world today. And as a listener, I would hope that um, God is calling you out and up in your own personal biblical walk with the Lord to understand how do we interpret the Bible? How do we explain the Bible? How do we exegete the Bible? How do we preach the Bible? And not for our own selfish ambitions, but through the context and the lens of God himself, the Holy Spirit teaming up with us as the authors and the writers are telling us who they're, you know, reaching out to Corinth, whoever, you know. And so I guess what I would ask you, Pastor Doug, is simply with biblical biblical literacy um, and knowing that it's so vitally important for the Christ follower. Right, right. And yet the younger generations are struggling in this area so much. How can we as leaders help them because the last thing that we want to do is become God or become the Holy spirit to the people that we're leading instead of pointing them to the one who has all the answers, you know? So how do we be leaders that can equip properly? (laughs) Yeah. First of all, the very fact that you're asking that question gives me hope because too many people are church dependent and not God dependent. And they are news outlet dependent, not scripture dependent when it comes to um, their, their worldview. I think we take just a, a step back and, and, and look, why is truth under such an attack? There, there's been an assault on truth. And, 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 and I would say that there's a couple of reasons for that. Uh, number one, in the church world, when the church began to grow, we became a, we had success in growth. In order to create space and place for that growth, some things got eliminated. So what got eliminated from our tribe is what we would traditionally know as Sunday school. Right. And uh, that was that, that 45 minute, that hour. In fact, did you know that in our history, there was a season of time when more people attended Sunday school than they did morning worship. Crazy. And so um, then that came to a halt and we, we, we grew, we, be, we, we developed an attractional model for doing ministry all good, all great, nothing wrong with that. But in the same time, there was also a shift in preaching outcomes. 
a lot of times we preached more for what you knew, how you felt rather than what you knew. And consequently, I think there was this, uh, this we started down this, this uh, what I would just say, this path of not being as biblically literate as we could. Consequently, you have a unique time in history where there are some people that want to they want to erase the past so that they can rewrite the future. Wow. So you have scripture kind of falling by the wayside, a, a, a secular group that tries to re-rate, re, erase the past. And all of a sudden, what's shaping a worldview is not scripture and it's not true. It's an ideology. It's a, it's a, whether it's a political ideology, a false ideology. So I want to, I want to just invite our listeners to come back and say, let's use scripture as our foundation for truth. God never gave us the Bible to make us smarter sinners. He gave us the Bible to help us discover, hey, this is what truth is. And so now one of the things, let's be careful to always make sure that we're distinguishing between biblical absolutes community standards, and then personal preferences. That's good. A young generation doesn't like it when you say, well, hey, a personal preference, here's a biblical absolute. You know, for example, should a, I think a general superintendent should always wear a shirt and tie, that that's sort of, all right. And, and, and sometimes we hold to that either preference or community standard, so much so that we attach a scripture to it. And you're going, really? I'm not sure that scripture does that. So consequently, a young generation becomes susceptible when you try to over contextualize applying a scripture to a personal preference. That's why I'm saying, let's come back. Let's come back. Biblical absolutes on the biggies, on the things like human sexuality and the grace of God and sin and salvation and the work of the spirit and bring back a confidence that in this, what scripture says about the big absolutes, that we can also take then scriptural principles and apply them to cultural realities. That's so good. That is a breath of fresh air. And it reminds me of being in second grade when my family showed up at uh, Bloomington Assembly of God. And uh, one of my first memories is meeting Dennis and Linda Blair. They were my Sunday school teachers. They handed me a JBQ um, orange folder that helped me memorize <laughs> The first verse was Acts 1.8, and then it was Ephesians 4.32. And those, um, I, I still haven't forgotten them. They're really impressed on my heart, on my mind, in my spirit. And I love what you said about kind of looking back and also mm-hmm. looking ahead to tools like Sunday school. And it doesn't need to be Sunday school, but I'm glad that we're having this conversation about in our discipleship goals mm-hmm. in our outcomes, in our processes, whether it's preaching or teaching or discipleship or groups, um, to just be thinking through the word of God and the knowledge of God and memorizing it, writing it on our hearts. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is so important. And I look at them this week, this past week, I had the opportunity to meet with two young adults, both from our ministry. And one told me, grew up at an amazing church. And he said, he got to college And he realized that he had been following a church instead of following Jesus. And I love that he just had this light bulb moment and his faith is coming alive. The other young adult that I met with, he goes, how can I be a Christ follower as a 20 something in 2021? And I just go, 
sheesh, that is the <laughs> right question. Let's, let's talk yeah. about it more. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we're asking these questions and having this conversation. And Pastor Doug, I know your heart for biblical literacy, for missions, and also for the next generation. And I'd like to just follow that up about things like Chi Alpha, things like um, young adult ministry within the local church, our discipleship processes mm -hmm. of including 18 to 30 year olds, both on the college campus, in our community, at our church. Um, why do you believe that those efforts of discipleship and young adult ministry are so important? Yeah, I believe those efforts are so important because you're going to be the primary influencers to kids ministry. And kid ministry is not the church of tomorrow. They're very much the church of today. Mm -hmm. So when I think about young adult ministry, you are shaping the leadership genre that's ministering to the next generation. So totally. if that leadership pool doesn't get it right, it's triple, it's trickle down effect to the kids. You know, one of my new life verses, I had two life verses for so long, you know, in college and all that. But mm -hmm. um, when I hit this role, I felt like the Lord gave me another life verse out of Psalm 72. It's when David said, uh, Lord, don't forsake me when I'm old and gray till I represent your power to the next generation. Amen. Uh, represent it, not just teach it and declare it, represent it. So I want the next generation to understand what does it mean to live with the power of God? What does it mean to be Pentecostal? And I'm not on TV. You know, I'm not on a, uh, I tell people sometimes I'm not spiritual enough to watch Christian television. And so, uh, uh, but what I'm afraid, I don't want what it means to be a a, a spirit-empowered leader to be defined just by a handful of people that are on television. I want right. it to be lived out in my leadership genre. So why is young adult ministry so important? Because you will have a primary influence and impact on kid men and student ministries. That's so good. One of Josiah and my favorite things to say and do is to recognize and to challenge our listeners and the people that we've led or we're leading alongside is to be a lifelong learner and to, to hold on to those lifelong verses that God does give us in certain seasons, you know, and we don't forget about those seasons. We don't forget about those verses, but we are all a work in progress, whether you're an evangelist on TV or you are, you know, on the side corner, giving water bottles to the homeless, wherever you are and however God is using you, that you have an opportunity to hear the voice of God, respond to the voice of God, read the word of God and do the will of God through all of that. Oh. So, and, and Pastor Doug, I just have to interrupt and, and just say, I love that you've modeled that. And even referenced it a couple of times today that you want to be a lifelong learner. Right. And that's our desire and our hope for the listener as well is that we would, you know, Romans 8, God is working all things mm -hmm. together for our good. And mm -hmm. there's an ing, like he is working currently, right. past, present, future. And I, I love that, that he is doing good things. He's done good things. He's faithful now. We can count on him and he, he's working. And so, babe, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I you're just fine. wanted to you're fine. echo that. I just think of Pastor Jerry Strenquist, who's been a significant person in our life and how he would say, I don't ever want to live the same day twice. And I think that's the God that we serve is he, he's calling us on this wild 
wild adventure where we can be madly in love with him and madly in love with um, reaching his people and the process of what he has for us. And one thing I love to ask, whether I'm asking a doctor or a friend or somebody in a specific field, Pastor Doug, is simply this question. And I would love to pick your brain or hear what you have to say about this. Um, But what questions should young leaders like ourselves be asking and we're not? Yeah. Um, in preparation for that, I wrote three that Good. Hit today, and, and they would be this. What's at the center of your life? What do you want the contribution of your life to be? And what really are the good deeds in your divine design has God prepared for you to do in advance? Um, I think I'll unpack that. What's at the center? Um, the reason it's important to have a, a strong center is because in leadership, when you're working with people, you're going to get pulled off center. Other people's mm-hmm. expectations, other people's problems. interrupt. So what's at the center? What's at your core? Secondly, what do you want your contribution to be? Mm-hmm. You know, um, what's your mark? When it's all done, where do you want to leave? What do you want it to be said? And that was my contribution for the kingdom here on earth. And then for me, uh, once you know the good deeds, it was so freeing for me to know that my good deeds are not the same as your good deeds. My mm-hmm. good deeds are not George Wood's good deeds. So therefore, I don't have to compare myself to the previous general superintendent. Right. I can look, I can affirm, I can learn. He can have some brilliant skill sets that I'll never have. And I'm not threatened by them wow. because if this is a part of the good deeds that really keeps me from comparing and copying my ministry to somebody else. And it's freeing to be who God designed me to be. Oh my gosh. That is so true. Pastor Doug, that I, I get caught in that as I think everyone does. It's gotta be in our human nature to look around and have the temptation to copy and paste, or at least mm-hmm. contrast and compare. And I love that you just went there because when we discover that there is only one person Um, Mike and I are reading a book together and it's about time. And um, we just had Christy Wright on the show. It's called Take Back Your Time. And she has one line in the book that just says, if you're not careful about what you're aiming at in life, you're going to work really hard to run somebody else's race and be disappointed when you get to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Good. And so I just follow that up. One of the things that I've been dying to ask you about that is off script, but it's your, it's your thought life. It's your um, positivity. It's your optimism. Maybe can you just let us into your mind for a second about how do you think, how have you trained your mind to maybe take certain thoughts captive Mm -hmm. or to really um, align your thoughts with the truth from God's word? That's a great question. Um, And I'm not giving you a company line when I default to say, I think that's a part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. You know, so many times we reduce the work of the Holy Spirit in our life to him being catalyst for using us in sign gifts. And and I believe in sign gifts. I believe in in tongues, interpretation, tongues, prophecy, all. But to reduce the third person of the Godhead who takes residency in your life at the moment of salvation Um, do that. And so when Paul talks about the work of the spirit in Romans eight, he says this, the mind that's controlled by the flesh leads to death, Mm -hmm. but the mind that's controlled by the spirit leads to life and peace. All right. Life and peace would be another word for contentment. 
And one of the things that gets people off contentment in leadership are people and circumstances. Wow. People and circumstances. <laughs> so for me, the person of the Holy Spirit helps people from being on my nerves to being in my heart because um, you can lead. And that allows me to feel a sense of contentment for where I'm at, even if where I'm at is not ideal, because that's a part of his work so that I can handle an interruption. I can handle, hey, my bad, uh, we made a mistake. I can handle that. Now, you don't handle it flippantly and go, well, hey, hey, I guess it was just the Spirit's will. No, you got to own something, you just mess to own it. But you asked, how do you maintain a sense of uh, contentment and joy? It would be that. And I think the other thing for me, Josiah, would be, I don't tie my worth to my title or my work. Mm-hmm. I've got higher purpose in life than being a general superintendent. Now, I love this office. I never want to demean it. I never want to do anything that would damage it. Here's another thing for your listeners, too. The higher you go in leadership, the more rights you give up. Yeah. I don't have the right to tweet everything I want to tweet. I don't have the right because, because I'm a guardian of a larger. And so, but I've got higher purpose to my kids. Um, the title superintendent's going to come, then it's going to go. But Papa, you know, Papa's <laughs> a higher title than, than that. So I think those things combined, yeah, that the work of the Holy Spirit, because human initiative, um, human things like comparing yourself and ego and all of that can come into the mix mm-hmm. that I've discovered that by willpower and just, uh, I don't have enough willpower to keep myself regulated and corrected when it comes to people and circumstances and ego, I got to have the work of the spirit. So I would say I I give him the credit. That's so good. If you haven't listened to that the first time, you didn't get all that, go back, rewind and listen to that response again and really take some time to reflect on maybe where, where you've been falling short. Is your ego getting in the way? Is the Holy spirit a part of the plans that you've been participating in or have you been, you know, maybe running rogue at times, you know, I think sometimes we put the, the cart in front of the horse when God says something, and then we find ourselves out of alignment with him. And then we go, did God really say that? Did he really speak that through his word to me about this season of life? So then we have those questions. So slow down enough to recognize and realize, are we teaming up with our flesh or are we allowing the Holy spirit to, to breathe into those dreams and aspirations and the leadership role that you have? And Uh, Pastor Doug, we've come to one of our favorite parts of the entire time that we get to spend with you. We have this thing called the final thoughts. So it's called five and five. It's five questions in five minutes. Do you think you're up for the challenge? Hey, I'm up for the challenge. He's up for the challenge. Okay. So question number one, I'll kick us off. If you could describe your life in three words, like three words that you live by, whatever language you choose, what would those three words be contentment purpose influence Ooh, that's great it's amazing it's amazing following that up for the leader who's listening pastor doug who's just starting out maybe they're fresh out of you know college north central university somewhere like that um starting an internship or maybe launching a new ministry how do you start strong and finish well yeah Work hard, adjust when you need to, own your mistakes, don't blame the system, and don't compare yourself to others. That's great. 
That's great. All right. So question number three, if you could ask Josiah and myself one thing today, what would you ask us? Anything. Are you all in on your calling? Is it a job of convenience or are you all in? You want to go first? Yeah, we're all in. <laughs> we're all in. We got to be. We, we know that we know, Pastor Doug, that there's been those moments um, at the altar that have shaped our heart that mm-hmm. we can look back to and recognize that our why boils down to the power of the cross and helping a generation, our generation, see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Mm-hmm. So God went mm-hmm. in all in for us, sent his son on the cross. We are all in. It's- all right. So since I took so many, so fewer seconds in the first two, I'm about, <laughs> do you fight fair with Micah or do you turn into an attorney and try to prove why you're right and she's wrong? And Micah, would you answer that you, question? You answer it, babe. <laughs> I don't think we've ever tried to fight like an attorney to prove the others wrong. We recognize yeah. early on in ministry, our ministry and marriage. Um, we took year number one in our marriage of like, who are we in marriage? Year number two is who are we in ministry as Micah and Josiah? Because we were both called in singleness right. to ministry and knowing that the potential um, spouse that God had for us would be called in a full-time ministry as well. So one thing that we've said, you know what, we're not going to talk about um, one thing that's never in our vocabulary is one, the word divorce. Two is that we are going to talk things out and never prove the other wrong because at the end of any and every day or any and every conversation, we are on the same team wearing the same jersey, even though we might be playing the wrong play. You know, you might be in the wrong playbook right now, but we're going to come to an agreement and we're going to fight fairly um, and be an advocate for our family and for each other and have each other's backs, even when we don't understand the other person. So I would say that's kind of our approach. (laughs) And so back to you, Pastor Doug, Um, this is the lifelong learner question. And we ask just to draw on your experiences, your wealth of wisdom, and knowing that we're not perfect, none of us, would you be willing to kind of go into something that comes to mind, maybe as an epic failure or a bit embarrassing moment that you've experienced and, and kind of share a life lesson in the process. Sure. I, I certainly have a lot of embarrassing moments and continue to have those, whether it's a, a, a flub in my words from a pulpit and you're going about <laughs> when you have as much ADD as I do, you know, it's easy. My thoughts are way out here before my speeches. And so that gets me in trouble. Um, I think sometimes in the, the field in leadership, um, decisiveness is an important value for me in leadership, but sometimes decisiveness without thoughtfulness can become of a more reactionary and you regret, you regret. So I probably um, put persons in leadership or made some decisions that in the name of being decisive, it wasn't right and either was costly, it was the wrong thing, and uh, I had to own it. I just had to own it and say, you know, my bad. I still believe in decisiveness, particularly at this level. The buck stops here. Not everybody wants to know it, and I like that. I remember years ago reading a, a book by, um, at the time, President Bush, George Bush, about decisive leadership, and, and as opposed to uh, well, let's process, let's think about this. Let's, and I, I, I'm into consensus, I'm into team building, but at some point, make the call, just make the call. And I probably went too far that way. Mm. And it a couple times. So uh, 
I would like to be known as a decisive, thorough, uh, thorough thinking through my options leader. I think that's perfect. I think that um, approach kind of resonates with me. Um, the decisiveness. Josiah said when we got married, he's like, Mikey, you're a breath of fresh air. Like, you know what you want, you know what God's calling to, and you're not, you're not going to hold back. And, you know, like I do need to tame my horses at times and pull back the reins and be told to, okay, ease up, you know, but I'd rather be pulled back on the reins than having somebody yell giddy up Let's move a little faster. So <laughs> Whether it's God or the Holy Spirit or Josiah or somebody else. So I'd rather have somebody pull back the reins and like, let's think this through. Oh my gosh. But we got one more question before I wrap things up today, Pastor Doug. Um, if we were going to hand you the microphone and you were in front of however many thousands, tens of thousands, college students, young adult ministry leaders, um, people who are just starting out, if you could tell a group of them one thing, what would you leave them with today? Uh, if everyone you're leading lives the way you're living, would you accomplish your mission? Ooh, that's good. Wow. That's all I got to say. That's that, good. <laughs> Pastor Doug, that is deep on so many levels. And we attended last night, Kathy Stranquist's celebration of life. And she's just been a significant part of our life and journey in, in family and everything. And I've been reflecting the past 24 hours a lot on my life and just been thinking about her life and mm -hmm. the ministry and the legacy that she's left. And that, that is a great challenge, a great question. And we just want to say thank you so much for your time, for investing in the next generation in Micah and I and this community of young leaders, Pastor Doug. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for the privilege of connecting with you guys and your followers. Absolutely. What a thrill and a joy to be able to spend some time with Pastor Doug Clay. And if you want to find out more about him and the Assemblies of God, you can connect with us on our website at youngadults.today, as well as any other social media platform at Young Adults Today. And once again, this is Mike and Josiah signing off with Pastor Doug Clay. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to today's conversation on the Young Adults Today podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Drug me in. I'm getting charged up right now, yeah.